in your word. We thank you that your grace and your mercy never fail and they are good to us. And we'll give you praise and thanks. Help us to learn something that is life changing today to change our world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can you guys give God a hand clap? Uh, welcome to get started. Excited to see you guys and excited uh, to be with all of you, those who listen by podcast later. And we apparently have a lot of people that do that and people who are watching live stream. We're so glad uh, to have those people doing that. We are in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is locked full of good treasures and good goodies. And we have been listening to Paul give us good uh, doxology or good doctrine on how we should live, uh, how we should live rather, how we should take care of ourselves. And we talked about last week that the conduct should match the product. In other words, that God has saved us, God has redeemed us. So therefore, we should live a life uh, that esteems him, that gives glory to him. And so we're going to start today uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. Uh, if you're watching on the website or on the live site, you can look in the notes section and all the notes are already there for you. You got a head start and the Bible verses are already ready to pull up. Guys, if you're ever out, just know that you can go straight to Encounter360.org. And if you go to the website, the notes are always there and the Bible verses are there. So you don't even have to pull up a Bible. You just have to be able to point and click. Uh, God is doing some amazing things. Amen. Amen. We're trying to get the, the lost at any cost. Uh, starting in verse 17, I'm just going to hop right into this if you don't mind. It says this, so I tell you this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, Paul is such a person that one sentence that Paul gives, he can give one sentence with four or five thoughts that are so deep that it will take you the entire verse to get through. So I have decided to take my time and peruse the passages. I've been trying to follow a schedule and get certain things done at certain amounts of time. But I want to take some time and to dig into these things because Paul just said something that's phenomenal right there. He's telling the Ephesian church who came up out of a very uh, hedonistic culture, out of a very ungodly culture that Christians who have come out of the world, these aren't people that were grew up in church and knew God. These are people who haven't knew God and mom and dad didn't go to church and grandpa didn't go to church. They're a generation that doesn't know as much about God. These aren't just Jews. These are Jews and Gentiles, mostly Gentile. And so Paul is talking to them and he says, I insist in the Lord on it. That's a weird phrase, but it simply means that I'm telling you under the Lord's authority. So if I'm telling you this, it's just like you should be able to listen and think that God is telling me this because he is. He's speaking divinely through his word. And so he says, I insist in the Lord in it that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And if he's saying you must no longer do that, that means you have done it once before. So that's one thing we have to realize is that all of us have come from somewhere. And all of us have a past. All of us have situations. Uh, and when God brings us up, he calls us up not just out of sin, but he calls us to a higher standard of living as well because of what he's doing. And they are uh, Ephesians chapter seven, uh, chapter four, rather, at verse 18 says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Wow. That says a lot. And what Paul is really saying in this one sentence is that the world has its own gods. We have our God, the God of heaven and earth, the one true God. But the world has its own God and the world has different gods than we have. The world has hedonism. The world has all sorts of things. The world has the God of money. The world has the God of humanism. The world has the God, God of fame. The world has the God of politics. The world has many gods that they follow through and they have their own systematic theology for them. He talks about the futility, futility rather of their thinking and however they have these gods, but their gods are faulty. So they have built a theology when you hear the word theo, it means God. Ology means the study of. Bio, biology means the study of. 
biology or the bio, the bio makeup, your body. So theology is simply the study of God, and they have their own theology. They have their own gods. That's why you have people that study, and they know more about politics than they do about scripture. They study, and then they know more about what they like than about serving and being servants to other people because they are living according to a different theology because if you are not serving the God of the Bible, you are serving another God. And generally, it's done through the worship of yourself, that you're living for yourself. You're living to please yourself. And he's telling them that I want you to come out of that and I don't want you to live that way. That system is attractive. That's why there are so many people doing it. That's why you can't help but keep turning on the news channel because although you hate it, you love it at the same time. That's why you, 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 you don't want to gossip, but you keep doing it because although you hate it, you love it and you're worshiping at those gods. And he's saying you got to pull away from those things because I have called you to something different and you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And then he uses a phrase that I love. He says, in the futility of their thinking. What does that mean? Futility simply means pointless or useless ideas that are not based on the soundness of God's truth. There are ideologies and ideologies simply mean a systematic system or thought uh, that are antithetical to Christian belief. In other words, my grandmother used to put it this way. She would look at somebody and call them an educated fool. Or she would look at them, and my brother had a phrase, you know what, you're so smart, you're stupid. And what does that mean? That you have filled yourself with some type of knowledge, but the problem is, uh, to quote Will Rogers, I believe it is, the problem is not what people don't know, the problem is that what people know that ain't so. <laughs> In other words, they build theologies based off of ideas that are not biblical. They build ideologies off of things that are not God-centered, and they become very educated in useless thought. They know a lot of useless knowledge. And not only is this knowledge useless, but it is deadly because it puts them in a different place. It moves them away from truth because there's God is the center and he's the anchor of truth. And you can only move towards him or away from him. There is no in between. So if your knowledge is pulling you away from God, your knowledge is pulling you away from truth. Therefore, your knowledge is pulling you into falsehood. The word futility uh, and I'm going to probably butcher this word, but it's matiose, and it, it's a Greek word, and it means vanity or, or emptiness, unreality, purposelessness, ineffectiveness, instability, false, false religions. And what he's saying is they're spending a lot of mental energy going over all sorts of theories and all sorts of mindsets and ideologies, and they're, they're quick to tell you what their platform is, and everybody wants to tell you what they believe about life, and what situations should be, and how they should be handled, and most of them are using a godless model, and therefore, all of these things end up the way that they do not need to end up. Why? Because they have taken God out of the equation, and when you take God out of the equation, you take truth out of the equation, and when you take truth out of the equation, that the only thing you have to operate on is a lie. That's why it doesn't matter who you vote for. Nothing ever gets fixed because they are you, you, you. The God of politics is not based in truth. It's based in popular opinion. And the Bible says that the heart is wickedly deceitful and no man can know it. So here we are depraved individuals, depending on depraved individuals whose hearts are wicked and away from God to lead us in the way of righteousness and truth. It's not going to happen. They can only lead us to the God that they know. They can only lead us to the God that they serve, which is power and money. And that doesn't, I don't want to paint all of them in a corner because there are some really good public servants that do some things, but let's be really real. Can I be real with you? There are a lot of people, they don't care anything about God. And they go in churches during political season and they, they say everything they want Christians to hear. So you will jump up and you will vote for them 
mindlessly, and then they ignore everything you told them the entire next part of their term. Why? Because they are serving their God, and they come in as false prophets to tell you that they believe in what you believe in, and we, like lemmings, go right behind them, and they say they're for a few things. All they have to do is say, I'm against this, and I'm for that, and all of a sudden, we're for them, no matter what they do, and everything they do, we'll let it go unchecked. Why? Because we're serving the God of politics, and we're serving futile thinking instead of serving the God of the Bible and holding people accountable to the, to the Christian Bible and to, to God's values. And, and, and this is one thing they can't see because they are always doing crazy things. Do you ever turn on the TV and say, how did this person get elected or how did this person get in charge and they're doing something and it just doesn't make sense? It's because a lot of times they are in futility in their thinking. They are smart, but they are not smart. They are, don't have any wisdom which comes only from God. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Did you know that a tomato is actually a fruit? It is not a vegetable. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, and many people have knowledge but don't know how to apply it. That's why it's important to know the word of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It directs us. How, prove that to me in the Bible. Tell me why they're so far off. Let's, I can. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. You can read along with me uh, if you like. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The gospel is the good news. It's the truth that God is coming to establish his kingdom and as we see there are some people who cannot see it why can't they see it let's keep reading the god of this age who is that that's satan that's the prince of the power of the air. He has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's why people are calling or being proud of things that God says you shouldn't be proud of. And they get upset with you if you say anything against it. Why are they like that? Because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. They just simply cannot see the truth. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I want you guys to read that with me. Ready, read. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why you shouldn't get frustrated when sinners sin. They're just doing what they do better, best. I remember when I was little, there was this, uh, this, this cartoon called Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh had this little, uh, this little uh, tiger. His name was Tigger. And all he could do was bounce. And he said, I love to bounce because that's what Tiggers do best. Well, guess what? Sinners love to sin because that's what sinners do what? Best. So you can't get mad when sinners sin. What Paul is saying is that used to be you, but now it's time that God is calling you to a higher standard of living, not to live like they live because their thought process is purposeless. It's going to end in nothingness. It's not going to accomplish anything and it will end in destruction. How do you know? Because the Bible said there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is what? Death. In other words, if you continue to follow down that path, it's going to lead you down the wrong path. Intellect is not a bad word in the Christian world. It takes an intellectual to be a Christian. It takes somebody who is a person of faith. Did you know that the word logic comes from the word logos, which is the word which is directly correlated to God? You cannot know God and not know logic. Faith and reason go together. You do not have to turn off your brain to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, when you become a Christian, you should turn on your brain even more. Because I can believe that I have an intelligent designer a lot easier than I can that I came out of some ectoplasmic slop from nowhere. Now that's faith. That's not science. That's religion. That's faith. Intellect is not bad. However, we can let 
futile intellect based on falsehoods drive us further and further from the truth. We get wickeder, the Bible says, and wiser. So people get smarter on their smartphones and dumber in their life. They can tell you how to find any piece of information, but they can't balance a checkbook. They can't manage their relationships. Their relationships are falling apart and, and their life is falling apart. They can get any bit of information they want for you, but, but they have to rob Peter to pay Paul because they can't follow God's wisdom on how to handle money. They can't have any successful relationships because they won't go to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit tell them how to manage their relationships. So it's important for us to know that the further we get away from God, the further we get to truth. So if we really want to know what truth is, we should be closer to God, not just this church, but churches all over America on Wednesday or Bible studies or home groups should be full for people who really want to seek the what? Truth. You're not going to find the truth on your favorite news channel. You find propaganda. I don't care if you watch CNN or Fox News. They both lie. Stop getting mad and watching them like it's real. It's not real. It's like wrestling. I had my, my aunt's husband. I always used to watch wrestling. His name was Will Lee. And, and we used to love to get him riled up because we walk in there. And here's this 60-some-year-old man. We'd be like, Uncle Will Lee, you know that's not real. If you let me do that to you, that's real. Yeah, I'm watching that. And he'd be arguing you. And you say, how silly is this? This older man is arguing me. And I'm a child. I got more sense to know that, it, that this isn't real. And we get a kick out of saying he'd be in there watching WWE or Hulk Hogan. We'd be like, that's not real. Well, you sit up and let me do that to you. And, and, and people do the same thing. They stay glued to the TV. Filling up with useless information. 24-hour news cycle. Instead of spending time with God. You don't need Fox News or CNN to tell you what to pray for. The Bible said, go to God. the spirit and say, teach us to pray for we know not what to pray for. God's intelligent. He can tell you what to pray for. I'm not saying don't watch news. I'm not saying don't be informed, but I'm saying keep that in its proper perspective because it is futile thinking to think that those places don't have an agenda of themselves. Verse 19. I like this. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity. Everybody say all. They have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. It says they've lost it, which indicates that they did at one time have some type of sensitivity. This statement indicates that there was sensitivity, but there are some innate things in mankind and creation that let us know that we know some things. You don't even have to go to church to know murder is wrong. You don't have to know God to know stealing is wrong. God put that on the inside of you. There are some things we just can't get away from. We know right from wrong. We were created in the Mago day. Although we were born in sinful flesh, there are some things that God has let us know are inherently wrong. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Going through 22. Let's read that. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, you can look out in nature and tell there's a God. There's no excuse. Let's go to verse 21. For although they what knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became, there's that word again, futile. Because why, why did their the thinking become futile? Because they would not what? Glorify him. They knew him at one point and their thinking became futile. Read the rest. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Educated fools. We have a lot of people from Princeton and Yale and Harvard. Very adept at physics and all sorts of things. But if they don't know God, they're fools. How do you know? Because the word of God says, the fool says in his heart that there is no God.
There are some people in an Ivy League schools that know God and are prolific people and have intelligence, and I respect their intelligence. I respect the ability to be able to debate with them in the, in the floor of the public debate. If I had to debate one of those people or talk to one of those people, I'm thankful for the intelligence that God has put in them because the very intelligence that they are showcasing shows the glory of God because they don't have any intelligence that he didn't put there. But just because he put it there, they can misuse it. They can mismanage it, and it will make them an educated fool. If we find ourselves slipping and being silent about the truth of the word of God, we will slowly slide down a slope that's hard to recover from. Have you noticed that there are some things and topics in our pulpits across America and on TV, everybody just kind of talks around? We won't come out and say it. We'll even read scriptures and say, I'm not going to go into scripture. You can read it for yourself. It's because we're scared to say it because we're scared of the backlash that we will get. Hmm. The culture will turn up the heat of evil just like a frog in water. When you, it, most people, you ever done something and you were shocked at what you did and you asked yourself, and let's be honest, how did I get here? How did I get in this place? It's because the devil works just like, like a Bunsen burner, like a frog in water. If you put a frog in water and the water's cool and he slowly turns the heat up over time, the frog doesn't realize that he's being cooked until it's too late. Back in the day, and this isn't a knock on what people wear, but let's be honest, back in the day, it was shameful to even see a woman's ankle. Then... It was shameful to see her, her calves. Okay, we'll let, we can see the knee. Now four inches above the knee. Now anything goes. We slowly let our values erode away. That doesn't mean you can't look nice and that doesn't mean you can't look modern and appropriate and things like that. You can wear nice stuff. I'm not telling you to look like Farmer Brown's wife or, 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 or Farmer Brown himself for the guys because guys ourselves, the eye dress codes and standards have what? Changed. But what the point I'm trying to make is that slowly and slowly the culture keeps getting worse and worse and the church should be getting brighter and brighter the darker and darker it gets. But we're getting quieter and quieter. Because we care more about pleasing men than we do about pleasing God. We care more about filling pews than we do heaven. And so Dr. Tony Evans says something, and I, I love when he says it. He says, if there is a fog in the pulpit, a mist in the pulpit, there is a fog in the pew, which means that if you are not preaching the truth from the pulpit, definitely the people that are receiving the word, they're going to be confused. There will be no clarity. It is time for us to start preaching the unadulterated word of God and teach it in a, clarity, uh, a, clear, a clear way and make sure that we're not trying to soften blows and talk around things. Yes, you don't have to be, you don't have to be belligerent. Yes, you can be intelligent in your conversation. And yes, you can say a hard thing in an intelligent way. And you don't have to be overly offensive because the word is offensive itself. But what you don't ever do is run from the truth of God's word, even when it applies to you. Because here's the thing. When you're teaching the word or preaching the word, you're going to have it hit you too because nobody is exempt. There is not one righteous. No, not one. No man seeks God. No, not one. We don't stop teaching the truth just because we're guilty and not living in it. We have to teach the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. We raise his standard, not ours. Is this helping anybody today? Amen. Unfortunately, many of us won't realize it until it's too late. Paul tells us not to fall into that trap of apathy and accepting the world's ways and systems. We must realize that silence is acceptance. Everybody say that with me. Silence is acceptance. Say it one more time. Silence is acceptance. 
Say it one more time for the people in the back. Silence is acceptance. When we become silent on issues in the world, we become complicit on the behavior. Hmm. Although verse 1, chapter 1, verse 32 of Romans, let's read that. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Does that sound familiar? Every time you see the TV now, every time I turn on the TV, even to watch a Disney movie, I have to, after the movie, stop and talk to my kids to deprogram them from the subtle agendas that they have placed inside the movie and the subtle phrases. And they say, we know, we know, Daddy, no, you don't know. Because what the, that's what they want. They want you to get used to that. So if they slowly keep doing it over time, guess what? You will become desensitized. Isn't that what he said? They lost all sensitivity. The way you make somebody not sensitive to something, it's just like if somebody, your cousin owes you money or your cousin want to borrow some money. The first time, uh, you feel bad for him or he lost all this and cousin Timmy's got all that. The second time you give him some money, you say, man, he's really doing bad. About the third time, Timmy called, you don't even answer the phone. You be, you've been exposed to it so much that you become desensitized to it. He could be outside screaming and bleeding and you close the door. Am I lying? The more we're bombarded with things, the more desensitized we become to them. Pay attention to what you see on your TV. Pay attention to what you see in commercials. People are trying and the world is trying to desensitize you to certain things so that they don't seem as bad. That's why the word of God has to be our straight edge and never the popular opinion of men. If God says it's wrong, it's what? Wrong. And you can put that in whatever category you like. Doesn't matter what it is. That's why I haven't brought up a particular category because it doesn't matter what it is. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's what? Wrong. If that made you mad when you heard that, then you probably wrong. But that's so good that it made you mad because maybe it'll help you want to change and come to Christ. That however, that, however, is not the way of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. Let's read this together. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught within him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus. Hmm. Keep going. To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, there are some things that stand out to me that I underlined in that verse. The first one was that that is, however, not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And it says, and were taught with him in accordance to the truth. The reason I underline that is because we have to realize that teaching and instruction is vital for our Christian growth. My old pastor used to tell, tell me this all the time in his congregation. This He got it from somebody else. But he would always say that preaching draws you out of the world, but teaching. Teaching draws the world out of you. People who really want to grow want to be what? Taught. It's great that you give me something that makes me feel emotional sometimes and breaks down emotional barriers and things and, and, and helps, helps me. But I need some meat to be able to live on. I need some true teaching. I need to hear some scripture sometimes. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? The word became flesh and what? Dwelt among men. This is the word of God. And if I'm going to live, listen to what he's saying. If you're going to live day to day, however you living should be governed by the what? Word of God. It should sustain you. 
teaching and instruction are vital for growth. Paul is instructing Ephesians to abandon the way that leads to decay. We must put on the new self and gravitate toward the new life in Christ. They were born from a depraved culture, but now they have to relearn a new way in Christ. All of us came up with some bad habits and some bad ideas and ideologies and thoughts about how to handle money, how to handle life, how to handle people, and handle, how to handle relationships, and we have to be deprogrammed from that. We have to be transformed from that. We can't be conformed to the world, but we have to be what? Transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. The only way you renew it is you got to wash it. You got to wash something and scrub it in order to renew it. Are we washing our minds with the word or what are we putting in our minds? If my situation isn't changing, maybe it's my habits, what I'm putting into my mind instead of the word of God, I'm always on the phone talking to friends about my situation. And they can't change my situation. So I can't renew my mind because here's a broken person talking to another broken person about how to fix a broken situation. And Jesus clearly said, the blind cannot lead the blind. They will both fall in the ditch. You're talking to somebody who can't keep a job about money problems. That's probably not the best thing to do. You're talking to somebody who can't get along with anybody about what's going on at work and why you can't get along with this person or that person. They can't get along with anybody either. You probably want to pick another source of information. If you want to change your world, you've got to change your what? Most people talk about repentance, and they say repent. And, and back in the day, people would be scared when people said repent. You know, when the preacher would get his hand like this and, and he would tell you that, that you had some gasoline apparel on and, and, and a fiery, fiery heaven hell was waiting for you. And he said, repent, 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 stop doing this and stop doing that. Do you know repent don't mean stop doing anything? Do you know what metanoia means? To change your In the Greek, repentance means to change your mind. If you change your mind, your behavior will change. So is a man thinking in his heart. So is he. So if I want my life to change, I should be careful what I put in my mind. Guard your heart, your mind, the will and emotions with all diligence for out of it flows the issue of life. I like one translation. It says this, be careful what you put in your mind because it determines the course of your life. Brother Barry, I don't know why I'm always struggling because you're hanging around broke people and they got broke people habits. And that's all that's being input in your mind. Well, we just like to have a little fun. And, well, how much you make? I make $400 a week. How many times a week you go out to eat? I'm not picking. I'm just being honest. Five? So you mean to tell me you make $400 a week. After taxes, you got $300 a week. You spend $20 a day eating out for seven days. That's $140. Flat math, $160. You spend $660 of the $1,200 you bring home, and you can't ever figure out why you don't have the money. Why can't you figure it out? Because everybody around you is doing the what? Same thing. Robin and I were committed to our marriage, and there were some people that wanted to be friends with Robin, but the problem is they were always fussing with their husbands, and Robin didn't want to be around them. You know why? Because they weren't happy, and I was like, I'm glad you don't want to be around them because guess what? If they always unhappy after a while you hang around with them, you don't even be mad, and you start complaining about stuff you don't even want to complain about because whatever you surround yourself with, that's what you become. So if I want to grow in faith, it's important for me to connect with some individuals on a personal level that doesn't mean you can't talk to people in the world and things like that. But for those people, I'm really giving access to my heart and my mind. They need to be people that are headed in the direction that I'm headed in. Goodbye can be a good blessing. Sometimes you got to let some people leave your life. Because they're dragging you back 
into what you came out of. And it's not that they're bad people. It's just that they want to stay in the third grade. You ever had a friend? They never graduated. They were always in the same grade. And they were there. We had a guy like that when I was in high school. He was in the 12th grade for like forever. I mean, I came from high school. He was in the 12th grade. I graduated. He was still in the 12th grade. And he stayed there so long that they finally just gave him a job at, at, at the school. And we had to part ways. You know why? Because I had to leave the high school. I had to go somewhere. He was a good guy, but we weren't headed to the same what? Destination. So sometimes severing relationships is not always a bad thing. Doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. It just means we headed to two different places. And if I'm saying I want to be close to God, I can no longer be close to you. Just got to do some adjustments. Everybody say adjust. <laughs> Hallelujah. Got a few more minutes and we're going to finish up. We're not going to be able to finish everything today. Is this helping somebody? <laughs> Victor just came on out and said, ouch. There you go. If you can't say amen, <laughs> say ouch. That means it's helping. Verse 25. I want to go through these and I, I, I kind of reworded them in my words because I wanted to pull and extrapolate the principles out of them. Uh, we're going to read verse 25 through 32, and then I'm just going to read some things to you that I want you to get. As a matter of fact, we're going to read them verse by verse, and then I'm going uh, to read what I wrote beside that. So let's read verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You want to know what I pulled from that? Be honest with yourself and others. See, most people skip it, and they say, Go back to that verse 25. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, but it said you must put off falsehood. Don't fool yourself. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers of the only, uh, only what? Deceiving yourselves. We lie to ourselves more than we lie to anybody else. So you have to put off all falsehood because sometimes we lie to ourselves. How many times you been lying to yourself saying you're going to lose weight? Am I the only honest, honest, dishonest person in here? <laughs> I finally got on the bandwagon and I think I'm going to try to be consistent. How many times have you lied to yourself and said, this is going to be the year that I start doing better with money? This is going to be the year that I start praying more or reading my Bible more. And this has been the year for 52 years and you just haven't seemed to get around to it. If you're going to change, you got to first be real with your what? Self. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. Let's go to verse 26 for time. These are just the principles I'm pulling out of here. And if you want it, want it later, you can get it. Uh, verse 26, it says what? In your anger, do not sin. Do let, not let the sun go down while you are still angry. What I pulled out of this is deal with your internal issues before they become a larger issue or even sin. That's what I get from that. You can see it in Genesis 4 and 7. He says, Cain, why is your countenance falling? If you do well, when I bless you. But if you don't, guess what? Sin is crouching at the door and it's waiting to get you because you got anger on the inside of you that you're not dealing with. How many times have we told the lie? You made me mad. Nobody can make you mad. You choose to get mad. Well, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have got mad. That doesn't say nothing about what I did. That says something about your inability to have self-control. If you can't say amen. Because the fruit of the spirit, meekness, gentleness, and self-what? Control. Don't blame it on your husband because you don't have self-control. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't even blame it on the rain. Leave Millie Vanilli where they belong. <laughs> Look in the mirror. Deal with your internal issues before they come, become larger issues or even sin. Let's go to verse 27. Verse 27. It says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Guess what I got for this? This is good. Do not let unfortified boundaries unresolved issues or unaddressed weaknesses give Satan an entryway into your life. Satan can get in when you don't have the proper boundaries in life. You can let people in your space who have no business being in your space. And although you mean them well, they don't mean you well. And it's not going to end well. Trust me, I know. 
You can do that. And you can give Satan a foothold into your life by simply not putting up the proper boundaries. So unfortified boundaries, unresolved issues, things and arguments between you or a spouse or a family member that keeps festering and you don't deal with it, and all of a sudden now you're angry to the point you don't want to control yourself, and you're cussing and yelling and doing all other stuff, and you're cussing at your wife or your husband. They said, I'm going to tell the pastor when we get to church. What you going to tell? I don't hear it. what am I going to do? You got to work out your own salvation. With feeling trim. The only thing I can do is tell you the truth. You're required to live by it. You can't say amen. Do what Victor did. <laughs> or unaddressed weaknesses. You know you are weak in the area and you refuse to admit you're weak in the area and you keep falling and stumbling in it. If you Young people, if you're listening to this, or old people, you, some people have deals with pornography or whatever, and you know you're weak in that area, but yet you won't change the passcode on your phone or put something on there to keep you from looking at it, and you keep going into those things. If you're weak in gossip, and you know you got a friend that, ha that loves the gossip, y'all don't need to be friends anymore. I know I said, y'all, I'm from the South. It's okay. I know how to talk correct, but at the same time, you guys don't need to be friends anymore. Why? Because that's you have and they are supplying your weakness they are your supplier they're your plug you got to cut them off unfortified boundaries unresolved issues and unaddressed weaknesses will give satan an entryway into your life let's go to verse 28 we're gonna keep moving i'm not gonna keep you guys today Let's read this. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. I pulled a lot out of that scripture. The first thing is make a chunk a conscious choice to correct our wrongs. When you do something wrong, stop doing it. Be honest about it. Don't try to make excuses for it. When you fess up, mess up, get up and move on because guess what? Everybody messes up sometimes. Everybody falls short. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't put on the fake Christian face like you never do anything wrong and try to lie to yourself because not only do you lie to others, you lie to yourself and you can't be helped until you will be real with yourself and say, yes, I got some problems. Yes, I have some people I don't like. Yes, I have some issues with unforgiveness. Yes, I have these things. We're about to start a sermon series that's going to be awesome called Baggage Dealing with Some Things in Our Life because we as Christians think just because we don't have uh, that much sin in our life or so we think that we can get by. But Paul didn't just say get rid of the sin. He said get rid of the weight. And there are some things in your life that may not necessarily take you to hell, but they will torment you every single day unless you learn to deal with them. We're going to unpack that. Make a conscious choice to correct our wrongs. Be a faithful steward. Pull that scripture back up for me. Uh, media team, chapter, uh, verse 28. And see if you can find these things in what I'm reading. Make a conscious choice to correct our wrongs. Be a faithful steward of your time and your resources or money and practice generosity. Do you see all those things in that scripture? Those are things that we should be learning to do as a Christian. Verse 29. We're going to make it, Brother Dave. We're going to make it. Verse 29. Let's read. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit to those who listen. This is what I came up with. The Lord gave it to me. I was praying and I said, how can I put this in practical points? He said, avoid negativity, gossip, and just saying mean, offensive stuff for no reason at all. Be thoughtful and kind with the words that come out of your mouth. Be thoughtful and kind with the post that you put up that you think is smart and pithy. But it's actually offensive and ugly and it makes Christ look in a bad light because they know you're a Christian. But you got cussing on your page because you thought it was cute. You say ugly stuff and you, you don't care who see it. You, have, you know every four or five and six letter word. Well, they just words, but what's the intent behind the words? Because he said if it's not edifying, if it's not building up, you ought not what? Say it. 
Has he been sitting in my living room while I'm watching Fox News and CNN? No. But if you're sitting up here talking about the president and you're not praying for the president, the problem isn't the president. If you can't say amen, because we call to pray for leaders who are in authority. It's okay to disagree with them. We don't have to agree with wrong and unrighteousness. But God never calls us to be vocal and obnoxious about it. He called us to be a light. And some Christians are the reason that some people in the world don't want to come to Christ because they see your Facebook page. I can't get my grandkids to come because you're obnoxious on Facebook. They don't want to be around you. They say, if that's the Jesus you got, I don't want him. Why get quiet all of a sudden? I don't look at Facebook. I ain't looking at you. Just don't be guilty. Just look straight ahead. Nobody will know. <laughs> be thoughtful and kind towards what comes out of your mouth. Jesus says, even the idle words you speak, and if he was speaking in today's term or tweet or post, will be given an account on the day of judgment. You don't just put words out there and think there are no consequences for them. Whatever man sows, you may not get consequences from people, but God's checking. Verse 30, let's keep going. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I simply put, do not reject God's spirit, the spirit's working in our lives. Let us receive it with gladness. If the Holy Spirit right now is convicting you, it, he's not condemning you because you walk, you're saved and you walk out of the spirit. But if he's condemning some of your behavior, don't grieve him and ignore it and believe out of here and say, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm grown. You're not grown. You're a child. You're his child. You never get grown in his house. I tell my kids, as long as you live in my house, you'll never be grown. The earth is the Lord's. This is his house. Even the house we live in, this flesh, he created it. We never get grown in his house. He said, if it's less you come as a what? Child. Childlike faith and dependence. Let's keep going. Verse 31. We got these last two. Somebody says, I'm glad I'm ready to go. I'm out of toes. <laughs> Verse 31. Let's read. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. I wrote this. Assess your anger issues. If you're always getting angry and you're always snapping, you have a problem. If you can't control it and you find yourself saying, well, he or she just made me mad, you have a problem and you need to deal with it. Assess those issues. What you say about people behind their back, politicians included. Why is he talking about politics so much? Because everybody's obsessed with it. They're turning it into a religion. And we think it's cool for us to sit at the water cooler and talk smack about people and say negative stuff. And to be honest, I've said some too. I'm not sitting up here telling you something. And I won't be honest to say I'm an imperfect human too. But when you know better. You do better. Reject the need. Put that scripture back up, Robin. If that's Robin back there, who's ever back there? I don't know who's back there. I can't see way back in the, behind those TVs. See if you can see this in what I'm in those scriptures. Assess your anger issue, issues. What you say about people behind their back. Reject the need to be negative and nasty. You know why a lot of people can be nasty on social media? Because they don't have to face the people they've been nasty with. 
they feel like the people they're talking to ain't in the room. But guess what? God's in the room. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Verse 32, be too nice to people as a general rule. Give the forgiveness you want. Those are some wonderful principles, aren't they? I hope you're like me, and this is touching your heart and saying, God, I got to do better. It's not a work, works-based righteousness. You're righteous because Christ has made you righteous. His blood has redeemed you. Don't feel condemned. You're not condemned. You might be on your way to heaven, but God wants to live, you to live a better life, and you can't live the best life he has for you unless you pull off some of the grave clothes, Lazarus, some of this stuff that's holding you back. Sunday after next, we've been praying, and I hope you're praying, too, to talk about baggage. There's so much stuff for people who have brand new spirits and broken souls. Sanctification is much needed in the body of Christ. We shouldn't be satisfied with him just saving our souls. He saved us from hell, but there's some other things he needs to save us from, primarily ourselves. Anybody else need him to save you from yourself sometime? I got a few honest people in here. You the guys ain't the first. All the guys raising their hand. I need the Lord to save me from myself. But I want you to know tonight that I love you to life. And if you're listening to this on, on, on the podcast, or if you're in this room, I want you to know that God didn't give this to you to hurt you. He gave it to you because he loves you. And he wants the best for you. If he's pointing out something and the spirit is on your heart about something you're doing, it's not to condemn you. That's the enemy. Don't listen to that. He's saying, I want you to pay attention to it because I have so much better for you. And you could be so much of a light if you just make a few minor adjustments. God is a coach. He'll coach you into a better living. He's not there to tear you down. He's there to build you up. If this has been helpful, give God a hand and clap of praise tonight, and we're going to pray. God wants to do some things in our life. He wants to change our life for the better. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word, and God, thank you for touching our hearts and our minds. I pray that these notes and this study will help us to be closer to you and to live an abundant life that you will be glorified in all we say and do. Help us, Lord Jesus. And I pray and I, I say to the enemy, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus that you will not condemn one person in this room or that they take anything to a negative bent or that they feel condemned or weighted or pressed down, but that they will receive correction. They will receive joy and love with gladness that God is building them up. And the enemy, I say to you that you will not have any, any, any foothold in this place among God's loved people. Help us, Lord God, to be more like you. And we'll give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen.